Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, we got an ad. It's from superyaki.com. If you haven't been there yet, you really should go. It's this really cool website. You can go there. They have shirts for really great movies, also bad movies, but you know, the movies that film Twitter says you shouldn't like, but they're a bunch of idiots because of course you like National Treasure. Of course you think Judy Greer is awesome. Of course you want pins with Sofia Coppola, which I think is down okay with film Twitter. And also Jordan Peele, definitely okay with film Twitter. Go to superyaki.com and buy your shit. I know Phil has a bunch of stuff from superyaki.com. I have a bunch of shirts. I've got a I've got a written and directed by Ryan Johnson shirt because I'm obviously a big uh, Last Jedi fan. Uh, they got great Crimson uh, Crimson Peak shirts, which is a fucking great movie that nobody talks about nearly enough. Uh, their shirts are really soft. They're eco friendly, water based inks. They ship with compostable poly mailers for environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. Uh, it's a great website. They're a great company. Uh, Karen Hahn, past and future guest, is uh, has a couple shirts that she's done with them as well, which is fantastic. Um, and as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with the code SUPERFRIEND, all caps, no spaces, that's SUPERFRIEND at checkout. Can you believe this? You listen to our podcast and you get 10% off shirts and sweatshirts and pins and bags. Yep from superyaki.com this is a win win for everybody and we get none of that zero (laughs) um it's superyaki that's s-u-p-e-r-y-a-k-i.com see you at the movies Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from inside a living spacesuit. 
here in 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us today is Morgan Dameron, a writer and a director. Uh, thank you for joining us to talk about my favorite Martian movie, My Favorite Martian. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so honored to be here. You guys have had some very illustrious guests, so I'm, I'm feeling well, very honored to be included. Kenny's very famous and and that's popular, what I was thinking. So. I mean, I, I think I think you you meant hosts when you said yes. <laughs> that's but. right. That's right. All well, all inclusive. The the illustrious <laughs> hosts, Kenny. And <laughs> Bill. Yeah. Can I just say, uh, Morgan and I were chatting a little bit before we before we got on mic about this, but um, I didn't hate this movie, guys. I I, I went into this movie with uh, with as is the case, and Kenny can attest to this. We've been in many positions where. Um, I will send the list of movies to our guest and say, hey, is there something on here that you want to do? And they'll come back and say, yeah, I'd love to talk about X. Or I saw this movie a bunch as a kid and I'd love to talk about it. Um, and then we sit down to watch the film and it's like, okay, I don't really want to watch this movie or it is what it is. I sat down expecting very little from this film and was surprised at how, you know, kind Fine of good it was. it was right like it's <laughs> truthfully though like i and listen i'm not going to sit here and I, it's not going to get a 90 or something like that on my on my rating but but this movie had like it was more fun to watch than i expected we have not done inspector gadget yet kenny but we did we watch it because there was yes. we've watched it and that film is not enjoyable <laughs> really it's a very bad film <laughs> this film and and we, we're going to talk about what works and what doesn't work, obviously. But I would argue that part of the reason this movie works is is Jeff Daniels and Chris Lloyd are just, you know, just professionals. Like these guys know yes, how to do they bring this. It. That's how I felt too. They, that's right? my exact. They're they're professionals. You know the way I feel about Elizabeth Hurley. Um, putting Daryl Hannah in the fourth role there. I mean, Wallace Shawn <laughs> as a villain like this. They they were at the very yeah. least trying to make yeah. a competent film, where which, which I can't really say for every movie yeah. we've done this year that you know sometimes it feels like they're trying to stunt cast and sometimes it feels like no. they're putting people outside of their depth you know to like uh like you know what I mean um over their heads and this is this is well within everybody's capabilities i mean you know, yes jet daniels can can do this with 50 percent of his his or you know five percent of his small human brain and uh <laughs> and 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 yeah. really knock it out of the out of the park again this is we're talking yeah. about like a small little league park he's trying to knock it out of but but he did it like i also i i you know obviously we're, we'll, we'll get into all of this but i just want to for a second here i do think that it's we're talking about donald petrie the director of this film mm -hmm. who grumpy old men miss congeniality how to lose a guy in 10 days like seminal works of cinema mm -hmm. <laughs> it's truthfully i'm honestly no i know you are but like successful movies studio movies rom-com intelligent well executed like the guy knows what he's doing and this let's, movie let's talk about that for a second yeah please go donald petrie yeah because grumpy old men excellent excellent film big yeah. hit against yeah. all odds like no one which i rewatched the other day it's good still no good one thought you're putting uh, lemon and Matthau yeah. in a movie in their 70s in the 90s and having yeah. it be a big hit like that which it was yeah. it was tremendous miscongeniality yeah. 
uh, I think everybody, you know, that that movie, I'm not joking, is taught in screenwriting classes. It oh, is, absolutely. It is considered like, you know, a, a perfect 101 te- movie script. Um, <laughs> now I'm not saying he wrote it, but I am saying like he yeah. certainly didn't fuck it up. Yeah, it was it very well executed. Movie. Yeah, I mean, in the performance from Michael Caine alone, I mean, he, he could probably direct himself. You know, <laughs> by the way, by the way, same thing, right? They, he, he cast yeah. a lot of pros. Yeah. Yeah. Bergen, a lot well, of and, Bergman, a lot of Bergen, a lot of pros that, to yes. do the job that you didn't need yeah. pros to do necessarily. But isn't yeah. that uh, the secret of good directing? Is you hire professionals hire to do their best, and then you trust them yeah. to perform. 100%. That's coming, and then. Uh, I'll, just to take it a step further, How to Lose a Guy in 10 yep. Days, in my opinion, is a terrible script. And he <laughs> and 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 yet it is an unbelievably watchable film. Very much I, so. I could turn that movie on at any time. I know what I'm getting. I'm very happy within that world, even though it's it's patently absurd what is <laughs> happening in that film. You don't believe uh, that Frost Yourselves is Fro- a piece of genius Frost writing? Isn't, that the, <laughs> isn't she the same actress who plays Lorelai? She's famous. I don't know her name. But, and Wait, I just, Lauren Graham? Is it Lauren Graham in that? No. No, 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 not that Lorelai. No, Lorelai oh, Brown yeah. in, in, uh, in this movie, I believe. Oh, it, oh, it's yeah. It's the Frost Yourself yeah. woman. Oh, okay. Sure, um, sure. Oh. But, I, but I, no, I mean, How to Lose a t- Guy in 10 Days, yep. I, I don't really understand the, 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 the conceit. <laughs> um and also Matthew McConaughey is from Staten Island, which is the funniest. But uh it's a great Can movie. Ju- it just it is. is a it's a great movie. It is. I really think that Donald Petrie or Petrie, however you say his name, my apologies, um understands how to weaponize stars, weaponize actors, understands their strengths incredibly well. And like how to lose a guy in 10 days feels that way too. It feels like it's just them. But I want to take it a step further, which is which is this guy we've seen a lot of movies like this that are that seem like they're uh lame properties or lame ideas that are just made for kids or just yep. made for a niche audience that generally go to these journeyman directors that we don't really care much about mm-hmm. this does not this guy is not a journeyman director this is a guy who makes hits and it makes me wonder what was it about this property that Disney was high on because this was 35 years old at the time and that Donald Petrie was interested in? Jeff Daniels is not at some like weird point in his career. Jeff Daniels is – Yeah, he's coming off a of Dumb and Dumber. Two years even from Dumb and Dumber. Exactly. Like Jeff Daniels is hot. I mean Jeff Daniels has been hot like basically for 35 years. But Jeff yeah. Daniels is like kind of at his hottest. Like this – it, the whole thing well, baffles me. And Christopher Lloyd also was, I mean, he, by the way, that man hasn't aged ever. Like, has he been the same age for 40 years, his Six, whole career? He's been 65 for the last 35 <laughs> years. It's, it's been, incredible. But, like, his body in this movie is is actually kind of upsetting to me. Because he's, he's jacked. Yeah, it, he looks but like when he's shirtless at one point, I was like, he's, is he kind of cut? Is Chris Lloyd cut? Like, he's 61 happening? years old. And he's Christopher Lloyd. He has biceps. He's, he's vascular. It's fucking bad. I don't enjoy it. Not because of anything about, about him, about how bad I feel about myself. That Doc Brown at 61 is as hot as he is. <laughs> Yeah, 
No, I agree. Oh, I will say that. And his comedy I, I, is sharp too. Oh no, sorry. It is. No, 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 please. His comedy is his comedy is great. He totally gets it. Um, there's a little bit of Doc Brown mixed in there. There's a little bit of that kind of like heightened craziness. He gets the levels. Everyone seems to be having a really good time making this movie, which is another thing too. The thing that I think is a pitfall for a lot of these kinds of movies is that often when you do bring in these high level actors, like you get someone who's really good at physical comedy, like Christopher Lloyd, you get someone who can play it straight, like Jeff Daniels, they're in different movies. And the, everyone seems to be in the same movie. They all are just accepting that this Martian has landed. They are rolling with the jokes. They are, you know, playing off of Zoot, who, by the way, is the unsung hero of this film. I don't know if I'm a pro, I don't know if I'm pro Zoot. I got I, I got to be honest. You're pro Zoot? No, I, no, 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 not I you, am. Morgan. You're pro Zoot. I, I think. I mean, Zoot is insane. It's a Zoot suit riot over here. <laughs> It is. It's like the genie to Aladdin. It's like without if you pulled him out of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, I think that part of my problem with Zoot, Wayne Knight's voice aside, because it's not someone that I have like a positive association with. Like you want someone who, to your point, if it's if it's going to be like, you know the cape from Doctor Strange or something right. like that, which is sort of what it's they're going a personality, for. personality, yeah. I almost think the voice hurts it. Like, I think if they had just gone with a mime sort of situation, I might have been more on board. Because I'm like, how does a suit have a voice? Like, I, right. it's, it's, there's a weird Come on, kind of, Phil. Like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work. You're like, it doesn't have a mouth. It's just, so it doesn't much work. Beyond, it doesn't you're, work. You're already suspended. Yeah. That's my point. That's my point. It was the breaking point for me. I'm suspending so much. And then this thing, it's like, no, that's where it is. Sorry. But just to get back to to, to, voice. Oh, I'm sorry, but I'm just being honest. I'll say just to get back to Chris Lloyd for a quick second. uh, My question is, how does a suit rape? Like, how did the suit decide it was a raping suit? Yeah, it's no, no, it's, it's definite. The, the 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 me too ness of the suit and him spanking the girl. Horrible. Who worked at the, not okay. I, I mean, okay. so so many things that are not even on the edge that are completely unacceptable <laughs> in this film. I guess we should just we'll get flat into that. out oh, say get, that. I mean, a lot of it's zoot related. Like this, <laughs> it is zoot related. This guy, I I zoot really, should be canceled. If it is what was, I zoot is canceled. This is so stupid. But if it wasn't for zoot, I would think the movie was was pretty good. I agree. And with the you. only thing, like you don't need him. He doesn't add anything. He's not even like you know. He's not even like Mork's best friend. Nope. Nope. Um, like you know, so he can have his best friend talk and tell him how he feels. He's just there for comedy, and the comedy is bad comedy. He's not like the genie from Aladdin. I mean, the genie from Aladdin. That's the has thing. An Right. 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 Like it's it feels he has wants like and a, needs. Like a Disney sidekick is a trope, but it can work like gangbusters, right? Like the 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 little creature, the little woodland creature, whatever it is, the thing that you can play off of. And Disney's usually so good at that. And there's a part of me that's like, so Wayne Knight's voice is uncredited, which I don't know why that is. I yeah. Which is a little strange. I just don't think you and I, I not to believe the point. I just don't think he needed a voice. Like I think it could have worked a lot better as this sort of like miming sidekick to the Martian. But well, you know, now that you I, mentioned that, I mean, we should give a nod to Phil Tippett Studios, yes, who yes. definitely pushed this movie into the the realm beyond just you know put it on for your kids and forget mm-hmm. about it. It looks great. Uh, it looks great. I mean, especially for ninety nine. 
hundred percent. I was, I was, great. I was surprised at how good it looked. Uh, just to, on the Chris Lloyd of it all, just for what it's mm. worth, Bill Murray, Michael Douglas, Charlton Heston, and Martin Sheen were also considered for the role of Uncle Martin. I don't think any of those work other than Bill Murray, maybe, and I don't even really think Bill Murray's right, but I don't know what this looks like with Charlton Heston. <laughs> it would have been a... All right, so let's do that one by one at a time. Uh, <laughs> Bill Murray would have been a good movie. Um, yeah, I would have watched changed, that. Would have changed the entire complexion of the movie, but it might have been fun. Yeah, uh, Charlton Heston would have been wild. <laughs> Could you imagine Charlton Heston? I, I don't know. Is I it- mean... Is that a more intellectual version of the movie? Because Definitely. this is quite a base, you know, it, it's pretty sophomoric in its comedy. Definitely it goes for the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, Way more yeah. rifles. And, and also just, and scarier. Like, Charlton Heston's not cuddly. He's not a guy you want living with you. There, that's no. a, There's something to that, though. <laughs> uh, who, who are the other ones? Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen fine but not right has he ever done goofy has he ever done daffy i feel like it's in him and who's the last maybe michael douglas could have been interesting because douglas when he goes silly which he's done in like it could have been interesting yeah that would have been that would have been worth watching i think um so i just could have been like the nero in a rocky and bullwinkle oh boy rocky and bullwinkle that's a movie yeah Fortunately, not um, 1999. It's not a 99 movie, though. Um, I want to just talk quickly because something occurred to me as I was watching this film, and it comes back to the Donald Petrie of it all. Um, this movie has a Men in Blacky vibe to it. Like, there's a Barry yes. Sonnenfeld kind of vibe going on in this film. And Barry Sonnenfeld's another guy who, when it's working, like when he has the right cast and when it's like the material works, if it gets shortier, if it's Men in Black, or uh, he knows how to use actors really really well like he understands their lanes and he and he can make these sort of movies hits that you wouldn't have thought would be a hit like i don't think anyone thought get shorty was going to be a big hit really um i don't really agree with that but i mean maybe but you i guess more than anything travolta's first film after pulp fiction Right. Yeah, so they were banking on that. This is true. I guess my point is, I look at Grumpy Old Men, Miss Congeniality, and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and I think there's a world where those films could have been directed by Barry Sonnenfeld as well. Yeah, no doubt. And that's Ooh. sort of why I feel like they have a somewhat similar... I think that I think that uh, Sonnenfeld's much more acerbic. His, there's a, there's a, more of an there's, edge to his comedy. Yeah, there's kind of a broad softness to these yeah. movies yes, that exactly. are very palatable. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe arguably they could use a little more of they, a something extra. Is like yeah. often, particularly in grumpy old men, um, there is a a certain strain of like um, of kind of like winking Looney Tunes, ain't I a stinker thing, right? <laughs> yeah. That that works really well in grumpy old men. Yes, um, but it. I think that might have been what they were going with, going for with Zoot a little bit here, because he's the only character in the movie who operates that way. And I, I, I can't get over what a mistake I think that character was. Now, I don't think I don't think anything could have saved this movie at the box office. Like, I think my favorite Martian is not a property. Like, 
it nobody knows this show who is under <laughs> 90. No. So this is not gadget. I completely agree. Yeah, this is not Inspector Gadget. This is not even Wild Wild West. Like this is a nothing property with a with basically a nothing premise. This isn't Bewitched. This isn't I dream, dream of Dream of Dreamy. This is a Martian well. is a this is an odd couple with a Martian. Yeah, but that—I mean, so Morgan, or before we got on, Mike was telling me or tell, said that she's seen this over a hundred times. Yeah, so I have seen this movie a ton of times because it came out in 1999. I was 10 years old. It was a big year for me because I had a 30-minute commute to school either way, and we got a van that had a VHS deck in it, and so I got to watch movies to and from school. That is March- amazing. It was. A- a ten-year-old in 1999. Like, like <laughs> I was the coolest, and <laughs> one of those. <laughs> it is a dream. It, it was a dream come true, and one of those movies that we had was My Favorite Martian. So I saw it on repeat. You know, really couldn't. I, I watched it again this week to be ready to talk about it, and could not have remembered less. Uh, <laughs> What does it say that you saw this film a hundred times and it left zero impression? Zero on you? impression. I mean, I I have very fond memories of it, but nothing associated with the plot or any wow. specific lines or character moments. It definitely. I mean, I love those alien movies of this time, like Men in Black, Galaxy Quest. Like silly aliens is wonderful. Uh, but yeah, so I'd seen it so many times, and I also didn't know it was based on anything. Well, this is this is the thing, Kenny, and I think we need to talk about this kind of where where we are in the in the trajectory of Disney as a company, which is that in '99 we've got Inspector Gadget and My Favorite Martian both coming out in the same year, both having pretty huge budgets for the time. This movie had a sixty-five million dollar budget. I think Inspector Gadget was closer to a hundred. Um, for properties that meant something to our parents, no, but meant nothing no, 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 to no, no, us. No, 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 no. Inspector Gadget, movie, Inspector Gadget it, it, it is not what that. But hold on, hold on. This this show, my mother loved this show. My mother oh, knew this show. My favorite margin is that. But Inspector, but Inspector Gadget, Gadget is I know an 80s was, was cartoon. A, was an 80s cartoon, I understand. But I'm speaking more to the fact that these are pieces of IP that don't necessarily jive with the amount of money that they're giving to them and the expectations of what they think are going to come out of them. I'm sorry. I strongly disagree. Like I understand putting them in the same bucket, but Inspector Gadget was a big property. It was played on Nickelodeon all the time. It was like Fresh Prince in that you in that everybody knew the theme song, everyone knew the characters. And in order to do a live action Inspector Gadget, which they had been talking about for years, you'd have to have it be a hundred million dollar movie because you'd because have to. Because I know, go go Gadget. Sell his I, shit. I understand. But, I understand. But I, I, but it's a, that's a live action cartoon. Whereas this, you know, this falls into Wild Wild West. This and Mod Squad are three properties that are you know re that that do fall into what you're talking about. Well, maybe Flubber too. I'm just talking about from '99, but Flubber, yeah, sure. Flubber, Flubber was a movie, right? But it's like they they've done that forever, where they've rebooted movies that mean nothing to anybody because they're just you know they already have the script and they're easy to do, and you know it doesn't take a lot of creativity to put that together. the re, The rebooting of these particular properties seems to me like execs saying, "You know what I liked when I was a kid? Maybe there's a movie there." And 
in the case of all three of them, we haven't done Mod Squad yet, but in the case of all three of them, Wild Bill West, there was no movie there. Uh, Mod Squad, you've seen a film. I guess is there was, you know, not the movie they, didn't, Execu- they did. Execution problems as opposed to IP problems. It probably is a movie there. And this, to me, is in an interesting, like, uncanny valley because I don't think yeah. there's a movie here, but I think there's a kids' TV show here. I and think it, it should have been a TV show. But the problem it, is, in order to do a kids' TV show of this property, you'd have you'd have to have a giant budget, which you would never get for a kids' TV show, or you'd have to accept that you're not going to be able to do some of the crazy, wacky things that they do throughout this movie. There is right. morphing technology throughout this movie and CGI in you know uh, against live action backdrops throughout this movie that costs so much money to do and make them look not terrible in 1999 mm-hmm. that it is kind of like an un well a, I, unwieldy I, property for 1999. No, I, I I hear everything you're saying and 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 I agree that 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 Inspector Gadget is probably the wrong comparison. I, I think that this movie though, I mean, I agree with you in the sense that maybe there's an animated television show for kids or something maybe like an that animated that television done, show which i think might have might have been the, the smarter play and and, and I, agree, I i think that this is i wanted to speak to what you're talking about which is this idea of television shows that existed for our parents or for an earlier generation uh that they thought they could turn into movies um it happened with i mean outside of 99 you know you had your starsky and hutches your dukes of hazards your what have you's um which again are not special effects heavy for the most part, so you can keep your budget down. This movie obviously has a fair amount of special effects, $65 million budget in 99, which is probably 110 today, maybe even 120 today, um, is a lot for this movie. I think that, you know, for Petrie, I can assume based on his age that maybe he liked the show as a kid or something like that. I mean, perhaps there's some sort of an association there. I don't know. Um, perhaps he, and I think this is maybe the most likely scenario is he saw an opportunity to step outside of the rom-com bucket that maybe he was in and wanted to show that he could do these things, which by the way, he does show. I agree. It's just the movie just didn't work. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I, I, I agree with everything you kind of just said there. I think that, you know, it's, I wonder what you guys think about this because in 1999 we're talking about again not to like belabor the point but Inspector Gadget is different than the sitcoms from the 60s because we're talking about something that still is in the consciousness of the movie going audience. So right. there's not a there's not it is somewhat pre-sold. Uh in 2020, the equivalent time-wise would be something 30 years ago and we're actually talking about 1990 now, right? right. So what's Interesting to me is we're on the precipice of, for instance, a uh, Fresh Prince reboot that people our age are like, obviously, or at least I was like, obviously, uh, and it's happening all the time. There's a full house reboot and and Mm -hmm. over and over and over. We're just obviously, but it seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me that the stuff from the early 90s has aged a hell of a lot better relative to today than the stuff from the mid 60s aged relative to 1999 you're talking about color you're talking about and you're also talking about like kind of really really importantly the same stars like will smith when you put him on hbo max and you have a whole section devoted to fresh prince yeah that is that is a current star who just was the genie in aladdin last year so, Can I also say I, I agree with that a hundred percent, and I think that part of what you're tapping into, and correctly, is that conceptually, 
your television shows back in the day really were an engine for making sausages. We talked about this last week at the end of when we were throwing to this episode, but like this show ran for three seasons and two of those seasons had more than 35 episodes. So they were just looking at concepts that they knew could churn out things like sausages. And ultimately, I don't think that the concepts, I mean, the Bewitched movie was a failure. I don't know if we'll ever get an I Dream of Genie movie, but maybe you someday don't want we will. One, Who I knows? promise. I'm sure we don't. And this movie obviously doesn't work. I Dream, I dream of Genie is like a straight up slave movie. So I'm, okay. like, I'm not she, a proponent a of a Dream of Genie she's a slave. movie. It's, uh, I'm just, my point more than anything is that the concepts are relatively thin. And I think that, that, you know, they're just not doing much. The, the concept here being that ultimately the television show, quote unquote, happens after this movie is done, right? Because the television show is about the two of them living together and the quirky right. kind of things that happen between these two guys. Um, so that doesn't, we really don't get into that no, in the a, movie so much. That's not crazy to do a reboot origin story. No, it happens I, I, all the no, time. I'm not, saying, is, I'm not saying it is. I'm essentially saying what that. happens here, but it is interesting to me because you say that like, they used to be sausage factories. Well, relative to today, to today, a 22 episode order is so rare now. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, so your Fresh Princess or your other sitcoms yeah. are sausage factories compared totally. to what we're doing now. And totally I don't agree. think I think the mechanism of, in Hollywood has changed insanely. Right? Mm-hmm. Like Hollywood has changed so much in the last 30 years, but the content, I don't. Maybe there's just a greater breadth. Well, yeah, go ahead, Morgan. Sorry. I, my, my thought on that is the thing I was really missing from this movie is it having something to say about friendship, about inter- intergalactic, you know, points of view coming together, about really anything, about family, about what it means to be an uncle or what it means to be a, a guy. Um, I think, you know, as you know, sort of the business mechanisms of Hollywood have shifted. So have what we as audiences are looking for. We don't want to just sit back and laugh at some goofs. We want to also have like some meat behind it. And that was what I don't think as a 10 year old, I grasped entirely, but probably why this movie wasn't as memorable as it could have been. And what you have an opportunity with a premise like that, that maybe does have an audience. I mean, maybe, as it proved at the box office, probably didn't. But you have an opportunity to kind of layer in meaning to something that can also be really funny and entertaining. And I could I couldn't agree with you more. I, I I think that if this script, which I would say is probably a C or a C minus script, if this had been a B or even a B plus script, this movie could have been like legitimately great. And obviously, you know, zoot being changed. But all that being said, I think that there is a good, I mean, there's already a good movie here. There could have been a great movie here. Like, I actually think that there was real potential here. You had you had really good players at work that all understood the movie they were in. And if the if the words on the page were just elevated slightly, I think this movie could have been great. Well, Morgan, I think you hit on it, right? So yeah. this concept has been used over and over and over yes, again. Yes, the odd couple, absolutely. Great effect. But not yeah. even the odd couple. Yeah. The Because uh, the odd couple, for sure, but I'm talking about the E.T. of it, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Your, sure. your, you know, your point about, you know, family and, and finding a place mm-hmm. and, and, you know, a, a connection with somebody, the unexpected, that obviously resonates throughout E.T. 
And mm-hmm. I think you hit on it when you said about being an uncle. There, there is like when you when you uh, adapt something like this, and this is why you're a writer and a director, and I'm just a writer. But when you adapt <laughs> something like this, it's important to find out what's different about it and whether or not you could sink your teeth into that thing. And it yeah. is interesting that instead of saying he's my roommate or he's my friend or he's this, you know, whatever it is, he, he's my uncle Martin. What does that mean? What does it mean to be an uncle? What does it mean to have that kind of relationship with somebody? You do not see that in this movie whatsoever. No. And it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Because we also know that these guys, you know, that Jeff Daniels and Christopher Lloyd have that ability to be hilarious and then switch gears and be heartwarming and honest and grounded. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It really feels like they somewhere there was a scene where Jeff Daniels at first was talking about how much he loved his car and he was forgetting about his uncle Martin. And then by the end, because there's that weird carburetor moment where he's like, Oh, you're going to give this to me. I know how much it means to you, but it doesn't really mean anything because we don't have that arc at all. Yeah, it's it's very it's it's odd because even on like an ET level, which is sort of, you know, your prototypical alien movie, I guess, in terms of like integrating and what have you, like ET goes home at the end and obviously it's incredibly sad because you care so much about him. Mm-hmm. In this, you've got two moments, you have almost you have a a, a, a near death experience for the character and you have a almost going home kind of goes home comes back sort of situation right. you have two moments and neither of them have a real emotional power to them because other than the fact that you're like well he's funny and i don't i don't want to see the funny person have something bad or sad happen to him to your point that central relationship is never really they just never lock into it and it and it, and it does hurt the film all right, we'll be back with the podcast in a couple of minutes. But first, a word from our sponsor. That's right, we got a sponsor. Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies so much that they decided to dedicate every waking moment of their lives to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts rightfully demanding a production of a third national treasure to comfy sweatshirts that reasonably serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings your tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with the code SUPERFRIEND. All caps, no spaces. That's SUPERFRIEND at checkout. And if the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. That's superyaki, S-U-P-E-R, Y-A-K-I dot com. Thanks for listening to that ad, guys. Now back to the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass?" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So the synopsis of the film, for the people that have not heard it or watched this movie, that is, uh, ambitious television reporter Tim O'Hara, played by Jeff Daniels, stumbles upon a Martian played by Chris Lloyd, whose spaceship has accidentally crashed on Earth. Thinking this is a ticket to a Pulitzer Prize, Tim makes plans to expose the Martian who, propose, who posing as Tim's Uncle Martian, Jesus Christ, posing as Tim's Uncle Martin, takes human form and has plans of his own. In fact, all of Tim's efforts to divulge the truth are systematically thwarted by the resourceful alien who ultimately recruits Tim to help him repair his ship for a return to Mars. Written by Sherry Stoner and Deanna Oliver and directed by Don Petrie, which we talked about. My favorite Martian opened on February 12th, 1999 in fifth place with $1.8 million against Message in a Bottle and Blast from the Past. Message in the Bottle, by the way, number one, Valentine's Day weekend makes sense. Blast uh, it would go past, on to make very similar. It, like tonally, there's, yes, there's a lot there. Totally. Yeah. So 100%. unfortunate that they opened against each other. Yeah. And Blast in the Past is go- so great. This goes on, this movie goes on to make $36.8 million on a $65 million budget. It's got 12% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 30% from audiences. I'm going to read a slight bit of Ebert's two star review. Uh, my favorite Martian is slapstick and silliness, wild sight gags, and hyped-up acting style. The Marx Brothers would have been at home here. The movie is clever in its visuals, labored in its audios, and noisy enough to entertain kids up to a certain age. What age? Low double digits, I'd say. Uh, it looks as if everyone who made this film is having a lot of fun. Spirits and energy are high. Mugging is permitted. Dialogue is rapid fire. Nobody walks as if they can run. As kids' entertainment, it's a live-action cartoon, and I can recommend it on that level although no more on a more ambitious plane. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. I mean, I, I don't disagree with any of those ideas. Um, but I think the movie's a little better than he gives credence to. And Morgan and I were talking, Kenny. Maybe um, a I know little bit better. A little bit better. But I think, a little bit better. But I want to make one point, which Please. is the, the expectations for children's entertainment have gone way up. Like, you would never have a critic these days say, I can recommend a film for kids because kids are stupid right. in right. a, you know, in a, in a world where not only Pixar, you know, does what they do, but Paddington yeah. comes and does what it does. And you see 100%. it up and down. You know, I mean, this is this is post babe, too. So it makes me wonder why he would even bother, you know, saying you, you know, for the for the for the, for the dumbest idiots, this is OK. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I. I I, I do think it's interesting the way, you know, expectations for children's stuff is so much higher than these It's in and the the films that you just mentioned, you know, Pixar, uh, Babe, for sure, um, even the Tim Burton stuff to a certain degree, uh, would also fall into that category. You know, Morgan and I were talking um when you stepped away for a sec, Kenny, about um 
that part of the reason Morgan mentioned that she talked to her sister about a scene that they remember. Yeah, uh, or- I, cu- I couldn't remember any of these set pieces. And so I called my little sister, who is four years younger than me, and, you know, tried to get a sense of, okay, what, you know, what are these things that, like, maybe we talked about or were memorable? And the only thing we could come up with was the flying ice cream scene. Oh, yeah. And sort of the childhood fantasy of like all the ice cream you could ever want and how that stuck out in our memory, but nothing, nothing else. Well, but that's part of and And to, to that point, Kenny, and I think to your point too, which is that something that you have, you know, a weapon in your arsenal when you're making a film like this is, is whimsy, is surrealism, is to be able to go bigger and sillier. Um, and it never fully commits to that stuff. There's a couple moments and we'll talk about it when we get through the plot, but but it feels to me like, and it comes back to Sonnenfeld with, with Adam's family, it comes back to Tim Burton as well, which is that this movie could have been weirder. It has weird moments, and we'll talk about what I would think is the weirdest fucking moment, which is associated with the ice cream to a certain degree. But but I do think that this film just could have taken more swings to be a little weirder, and it would have... I or think sillier. It or yeah. sillier even. Yeah, it just it never it never fully commits to that stuff. We were we were in a we were in a dearth when it came to weirdness in ninety-nine. I mean there was some weird stuff going on, particularly in indie film. Yeah. But uh the Burton thing that you're talking about, that also, you know, sometimes is also the Sonnenfeld thing, uh just wasn't in vogue right right yep. now. Yep. And studios generally didn't seem like that was where they wanted to take the swings. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we did Stigmata very recently and it seemed like that's where they wanted to take the swings, like darker, edgier, mm. scarier, yep. grungier, grimier. Um, but not like, you know, that, that Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, like, yep. Yep. uh, weird. Even out of family. Yeah. Even, yeah. 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 So, yep. uh, I completely agree with you that there, that, that could have been what you did here. Though yep. I also would say like, they would have to find their own brand of whimsy because like what they did with adam's family and adam's family values worked so well for that property and you immediately knew what you were doing what you were getting and you immediately knew that it wasn't really like anything else that you were being presented at that Mm -hmm. time and in a post men in black world where they did their brand of whimsy by the way also ip that no one knew or cared Mm -hmm. about um what is the version that my favorite martian could have given you that also has that fork watch and appeal that you can also bring your six-year-olds to um and i don't i wonder what that is well i think that um and this taps into what you're saying kenny too which is um this movie is a little at odds with its time period too. There, there are there are '60s inflections in sort of the way that the cars are designed and in some of the design elements of it, but they never fully commit to it. And I would argue that making this a period piece might have actually been something that could have made this movie stand out as well. Good now, admittedly, point. I like that would have made it a lot more expensive, perhaps, but it would have just made it more interesting. Or do kind of, you know, to go more in the kind of Jetsons world where it's like make it more futuristic or that kind of 60s futuristic kind of like there were opportunities here. And if you're going to spend $65 million on this movie, spend $65 million in the right ways rather than having it exist in some nether world of period that I don't think really helps it either. Yeah, it doesn't feel 90s in any particularly special way. No. 
And it feels to me, because I think the things that bump the most for me as a modern viewer, uh, as a feminist viewer, is the the raunch that is added for no effect that feels maybe like a reaction to kind of the wholesomeness of the 1960s. And, you know, maybe that's sort of where they're trying to update it and make it feel fresh and new. But ends up just coming off as really off base. It's all, yeah, I mean, from, from, it's also and from two the, female writers on top of everything else, it, which is also a good it one. also is is where the culture was at that point, um, which was the grossest, right? Like to want to just to the, want, the, the like sewer scene, it like yeah, so, it, it, so the, much like gross the thing humor. about it. Yeah, the thing about it was, I doubt if you even heard in Niebuhr's review, I doubt modern critics even flagged that. Because right. you're living in a world where it's Girls Gone Wild and Jerry Springer right. and, you know, all this really, really kind of, you know, debasing stuff that there is – we saw it in even a Muppets Go to Space – Muppets from Space of all movies where they lent, they lean into that like, you know, MTV The Grind thing that yep. that just felt so par- parcel of the culture at that moment. Um, I do think that obviously it's aged incredibly poorly in that regard. Yeah, it's it's I, I I couldn't agree with both of you more, and 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 that's actually a really um, good pivot towards uh, what I want to say, which is that I think Liz Hurley and Daryl Hannah are both really really good comedians. I think that they're yes. really funny, and we did not give them their due. Certainly, Liz Hurley, she did not get her comedic moment she when so she should have had it. Amazing at like going weird and silly yeah. like i i think her moment in this movie is definitely when she's at the desk and turning back into it's great it's she's, great her physical comedy is so yes. great morgan so are you great. a bedazzled fan yeah <laughs> I, I watch bedazzled like so much like a yeah first of all a hundred times second i watched like a, i watched like a week oh, ago no with way. My, i watched like a week ago with my kids right and it's it's you know my kids right. are, my older kids are eight so it's it's you know, a little, a little cuspy for them, but I don't particularly care. Um, and I was texting Phil through it, you know, it's a 2000 movie. So we just missed it. Yeah. If it were a 99 movie, like Liz Hurley would be on my best actress of the year list. She is (laughs) so good. And the thing that's weird about her is she, she is a model before she's an actress. She yep. is British, which we all know denotes a certain amount of class and a certain amount of sophistication and a certain amount of like uptightness. And right. yet her best her best role is at is as a broad comedian. Um Austin Powers, this yeah. uh bedazzled. Um it's a weird thing to say. And then she goes on to do the Royals, which is basically a really broad fucking comedy too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's a weird thing to say, but like, you know, a woman who I think was probably the consensus pick for the most beautiful woman of nineteen ninety-nine is also like this fall down funny yes. like Carol well, Channing entertainer. <laughs> and I, I think that that's also been something that often holds some more, I mean, it's so stereotypical, but like beautiful comedians back is that they're not willing to like get down and dirty and silly and like mess up and fall down. And she is so balls to the walls about that, that it, you just buy into it and love it. And it's so enjoyable when she is sort of let loose. And this has, yeah, this, it, I, I don't yeah. know if this is, this is the right read on it, but uh, some people, some people feel kind of naturally inclined towards that type of comedy, which she might be. 
but she just plays it to me like an expert actor. Like that, it doesn't feel like she's even leaning into strengths necessarily. She's just killing the material, and that I—that's I, there's a cognitive dissonance between this person who did not become like this like really well-renowned actor in the way like say a former model Charlize Theron has, right? Charlize Theron has done broad comedy like incredibly well in fucking Arrested Development, um, for instance. And is now, you know, won Oscars and a Charlie's, mo- Charlie's movie comes out and she is, you well, know. Well, not to mention that thing you do. What's that? <laughs> she's funny in that <laughs> thing you do. She's very funny in that she, thing I think you she's, do. Well, I think she has like three lines. Which she's is five lines. <laughs> yeah. But she's, yeah, so like Charlize Theron has like very clearly, you know, she always was great at, at, at drop down comedy because she's really great at interpreting material. And mm-hmm. I have yep. a feeling that Liz Hurley falls into that same category. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I, that Liz, yeah. Liz Hurley also, unfortunately, was in a string of unsuccessful comedies, which is mm-hmm. just a bummer, right? Which is Ed TV, this and and bedazzled. Um, Good in Ed TV you know, too. Yeah, you know yeah. she's in. You know she's in, and I would. I mean, Kenny and I both loved Ed TV. I stand by Ed TV. I have not seen Bedazzled in a very long time. I need to rewatch it. But this is one of those situations where it can seem like Hollywood's like, we gave her her shot at doing this. And it's just like, it's a bummer. They missed and, it. Uh, yeah. They just yeah. fucked up. I, I think and, it's yeah. also a misconception that comedy is just like this natural ability. It is a skill and it, and it is something that is sort of learned and practiced. And she clearly is applying her acting chops to the comedic elements. She's not, she doesn't just happen to, to be that way. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry I mean, about I, my puppy in the background. No, it's all good. <laughs> I think that I mean, truthfully, I and and I don't want to sleep on Daryl Hannah in this either because <sighs> I think that Daryl Hannah is another um, actor who has, first of all, a deep filmography of of a wide range of movies. Um, but you know, she kind of comes on the stage to some degree with Splash. She's very funny in Splash. She's got such a unusual comedic style that I really appreciate and love and feel like we didn't totally mine for everything that we could have. I love her in Splash. Yeah, I, I think she's mumblecore before that was a thing. <laughs> yes, that's fair. Yeah. She's yeah. so subtle and uh, very like very understatedly funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I think she's really pulling her weight in the romantic subplot of this movie. Oh my God, yeah. But an underwritten romantic underwritten subplot. Underwritten <laughs> subplot, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, she's, I mean, she's, it's one of those things too where in success, this movie could have really done a bunch of stuff for a bunch of people. And it's unfortunate that obviously it wasn't successful. It could have put Doug Petrie into another lane. It could have given Liz Hurley and Daryl Hannah a whole new thing. Um, and, you know, obviously Jeff Daniels and, and Chris Lee were already successful in their own right. But that's why one of the, like, this is just one of those, like, and I never thought I was going to say this, but like, dis- like, I'm disappointed in this. Like, this movie could have been great. And watching it, I was just like, oh, you, you just missed the boat on a couple things. But Anyway, um, conversely, yeah, though, yeah, we thought, or at least I did, and I think you more or less yeah. agreed that this would be maybe the worst movie we would do. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Like going into the year, oh wow, going into the year, I, I, I was 
I would, I mean, there's like, you know, obvious garbage. Like there's the, you know, yeah. you, you mentioned uh Dennis Rodman movie, which I can't remember the name of Simon says, Simon says, oh. or there are things like bats or other like horrible sure. movies we're going to have to do. At the Omega point. code. Yeah. Virus and the Omega code and all these embarrassing things that we have no choice. <laughs> but in terms of big uh kind of Hollywood releases, yep. like the IP didn't interest me. Seeing Christopher mm-hmm. Lloyd do wacky again didn't interest me. Didn't even really like register to me that that Jeff Daniels was a uh, was in this movie or the other actors who are most, pretty much all of whom I love. Um, and it just it it seemed like this kind of flubbery Disney thing that does not appeal to me in any way. So the fact that it wasn't oh, and, and I think this extends beyond. You know, you tweeted about this, and Jessica Ellis just assumed <laughs> former assumed. guest who's you know. A, who's a, a, a you know a, a fucking li- a, a a film historian in her own right just assumed yeah. that this would be yeah. the worst movie we would do yeah. um so so i think the fact that this not only wasn't like the worst horrible yeah it, it wasn't even bad <laughs> that it was like kind of good and that yeah. our conversation is centering around like this is good, but like this could have been great. Like lots yeah. of fucking credit to that. Yes, yes. I I couldn't agree with you more, Kenny. Like I, as I said to Morgan before we came on, I went into this just being like, I am not looking forward to this. Like I'm doing this because I'm thrilled that Morgan wants to do this and that someone <laughs> wants to come on and talk about this thing. Um, this thing. And then and then then Kenny texted me when he was watching it a couple days ago, and he was like, "Is this movie secretly?" good like that and it goes it's, it's a it's a bumpy ride for it sure is, is. but like it starts strong enough that i was like oh wait a fucking second like did we did we sleep on my favorite martian and to some degree as a nation i think we have i think um sorry Morgan. i just think that uh this and as i the, the real thing i said to you right away yeah. was this <laughs> is what muppets in space should have felt like yes it should have had this tone with this level of comedic actor um, with this kind of direction, it it it, it could have used some up more Muppets and less Zoot, and I think um, I think it would have. If I, the I think Zoot had killed. been a Muppet, this the movie would have been, Muppet, been a ten out of If Zoot had been a Muppet and Jeff Daniels had been like you know the the human they're helping that that movie, sure. which is usually a yeah. human, or there certainly sure. wasn't um, in a Great Muppet Cape or a Muppet Take Manhattan and that kind of stuff. Yep. They used the human they were helping. And uh, there was an alien, and the alien should have been Gonzo because, to Griffin's point, like <laughs> yeah. Gonzo has no fucking Gonzo's actual backstory is irrelevant. They're a comedy troupe; they play characters. Gonzo <laughs> could have been from another planet. That movie, instead of oh, but yeah, there was there's this was like a great first step yeah. towards a fun family comedy. I'll yeah, I'll, I'll just quickly you know take you on my emotional journey, which was. <laughs> A real roller coaster from just pure nostalgia and sort of the joy of having a VHS TV set in your van. Yeah, yeah. To true deep fear that this movie was going to be horrible <laughs> and my childhood thusly ruined. To a, a modicum of enjoyment while, you know, I laughed a couple times. Um, yeah. Definitely had a couple Christopher Lloyd, like, you know, throwaway lines. And, yeah. and yeah, overall, a, a relative satisfaction. Not something I would necessarily sit my kids down and show them in the future. But, uh, I mean, uh, I, yeah. I would. I'd show my kids this movie. There's nothing There's nothing wrong with this movie for, for kids. I imagine 
Kenny, you didn't watch this with your kids. No, and it's an interesting question. Like, you would show your kids the movie because eventually, like I have, you would run out. And <laughs> Amazing. And you and you would go and you would go anywhere. You can't but, watch Frozen anymore. Oh, yeah. it's not even Frozen. Like, yeah, the, the sad part is we have every movie ever made, and we've seen them all. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> we, just being a person in 2020 with Disney Plus and Netflix, we have right. access to every movie ever made. And uh, all they want to do is watch all the Air Bud sequels over and over and over again. Well, it's funny you say that because I was watching Ben Stiller was on Jimmy Kimmel the other night because. Um, uh, oh my God! Why can't I think of her name? Sarah, the 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 comedian who put her voice to um, Cooper. Oh, Cooper. Cooper. She was guest hosting. Anyway, Ben Stiller was on, and he was like, "She asked if he's watched any of his films with his kids." He's like, "Actually, it's funny you should mention that. Not until the pandemic when we ran out of movies, and now we're watching my movies." And wow. I, think I think there's something kind of funny there. Um, but I, I want to just quickly tap into something you were saying, Kenny, about. Um, just sort of this idea that this movie could have been more sophisticated. And it's mm-hmm. what you were saying as well, Morgan. I think that there's a lack of sophistication to it. And part of it has to do with the fact that it doesn't feel like the writers. I could give two shits about the IP. I don't care about the IP. It felt like they were really honoring this IP. Right. Like for, who cares? For yeah. what for if? What, yeah. I, don't know. And I couldn't tell you. But what more than end? anything, there's an opportunity to deconstruct it, to metatextualize it, to be able, to your point, Morgan, to be able to make this piece of IP from the 60s feel relevant in the 90s. It's part of what they try to do with Bewitched and trip over themselves a million times doing it. But I do think that there was an opportunity here to do something that's just a little bit more sophisticated. And 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 had they done that, this movie would have been ultimately a million times better and perhaps more successful. That being said, let's walk through the plot of this movie, uh, which opens just to talk about something that is completely that they don't do anything with. They show us a fucking city on it's Mars awesome. and then and then never go back. Well, that's where uh, it comes from. This I mean, this model work. That's okay. This, I, yeah. I was yeah. into it. Yeah. I was too. And then I was like, we're, we're going to go back there at the stuff. end, right? Yeah. Like, we're going to go back there at right. the end, and he's going to have to take Jeff Daniels to Mars or something like that. Well, not a bad they really, I mean, yeah, I, I watched that sequel. They, you know, they had a real opportunity there. There's another line that Christopher Lloyd says at the end when he comes back, when he's like, I, you know, was so, think, I was thinking about how lonely I was going to be. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, knowing this huge city that we see at the opening, what yeah. does that say about the state of our urban yeah. societies in the future? Like, there's <laughs> sure. some real potential yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, there's stuff you could do with this. You yeah. know what I mean? Why is he lonely? What's going on on Mars? He doesn't. That's the other thing too. We get no real sense of of Mars. Whatever. Mm-mm. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, news producer Tim O'Hara is fired accidentally for accidentally saying that his boss's daughter, who is played by. Liz Hurley is hot on camera, basically. It's a very circuitous route towards him saying that she's attractive. Um, her name is Brace, which I kind of like, but I've never heard that name before in my life. Or since. Yeah. Or, since. or since. How, how, um, how does that happen? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I was thinking, I, I asked Mel that last night. I was like, do you think that like one of the writers has a kid or a friend who has a kid named Brace? And they were like, we should use that name. Or did they make up that name? I've never named a character after my kids because I've already named these people those names. <laughs> I, they, it's so crazy to me to name something after something you've already named. 
It's true. No. It's very true. I don't disagree with <laughs> yeah. that. Now that you say that, I'm like, why does that ever happen? I think that there are people that do it. I mean, I know that we've, you know, we've all written stuff and some of it's been produced. When you're, and Kenny, you can speak to this when you're on a television show and it's like you're writing your episode and you have some character that you know is only going to be a throwaway. Oh, you after could maybe friends, name it after sure. Yeah, name it after friends yeah, or something after like friends, that. Yeah, friends, deal, friends, family. But like, I didn't name those people. <laughs> It's that that is a tribute, but you know, it's like, it's, yeah. I mean, my my favorite thing to do is to to plug names in that only yeah. that person is gonna recognize. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. For, I mean, you know, we're talking to somebody who has a very famous cinematic character named after is. her. <laughs> Funny you should and, mention. And the yeah. writer of the writer of 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 the Force Awakens, please name JJ Abrams, yeah. right? My he, former boss. Yeah. He didn't name you. He didn't give your family your last name, right? right so it right. is a tribute in that sense. A really lovely I, and tribute. I, it's it is a lovely tribute and I and and I know you've talked about this ad nauseum Morgan so I'm sure you don't want to talk about it much more. But we have you on mic so we're going to ask you. Um <laughs> what did you how did you feel about it? Like that's a it's it's a cool it's a very cool thing. I mean Poe Dameron is named after you. Um what what are your thoughts on that? Well, when I when it first sort of came to my attention, which is, you know, page two of the script that I was proofreading <laughs> at the time, I I thought one of two things. One, that this character was probably going to be killed off very <laughs> soon after. <laughs> and two, that it was probably a placeholder. You know, I mean, we all do that when we're writing. Oh, I need to just put something here and I will change it later. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, lo and behold, years later, there's gummy bears and yeah. lunchboxes, and uh, it's you know now canon, and uh, there's no going back. All right, if, if, we're, if, we're, if, we're, if we're going, we're going all in. We gotta go, go there. <laughs> we're doing a space movie, so we can just talk about whatever space movies. Uh, a couple questions. One: Have you always been aware that you have a cool last name? Never, no. So, so that really? is something that has really sort of been a, a game changer for me that this last name that people had such a hard time wrapping their heads around the pronunciation of, or even under like people always thought I was trying to say Cameron, but would put a D in front of it. Like that we would use my mom's maiden name when we were making a restaurant reservation. Uh, remember when we went to restaurants? Um, oh. and I know. Uh, and so having it now be kind of known and, uh, cool. I, I will tell one quick story, which is my, the person who is the most thrilled by this is definitely my mom. And uh, <laughs> I also, the, the Damrons, I have, I think, 26. I hope I got that number right. Immediate cousins on my Dameron side. Oh, that's, so, that's such a gift. <laughs> so cool. They're all women, except for my little brother. Oh, wow. So the name wasn't really going to continue on. And um, now it will, which is which is really that's special. That's really great. That's really lovely. Wait, so but that, so the quick story is oh, yeah, that yeah. my my mom was really really excited about Dameron just being a, a thing out in the universe, and I took her to Star Wars Land when it first opened, sure. and she was like, "I have to get something that says Poe on it." You know, this is <laughs> I gotta get something. And at the time, they were making these phone cases that had like Poe's helmet on it, and you can customize it with your name and she went up to the cashier and was like i want Lori dameron on my phone case 
And the cashier said, ma'am, you can't do that. That is a character name. You can't just put Lori Skywalker on a case. No way. And my mom whips out her ID <laughs> and says, I am Poe Dameron. <laughs> and she got it on her phone case. That's, that's fantastic. So that's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I imagine that it must have been a little bit kind of discombobulating to it's see your name. It's a little surreal. Yeah, yeah. 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 If you could have, still, if you could have picked anybody to play uh, the member of your family, Poe Dameron, is oh, it, I couldn't have picked better? anyone better. It could have gotten better. Okay, That's he, it, not only is he just the the most amazing person, he also comes from a big family. Yeah. It just feels like you know where we really were meant to be kin. It's like I, I it's, before I knew you were going to be on. I said to to Phil a couple weeks ago because I was watching the Most Violent Year. He's just the best fucking actor. He's the best. He's the best actor that has come on the scene yes. in the last twenty years. Speaking and, of which, he should do a comedy. Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he. Will. I'm sure he, once he has he's that so run funny. where people yeah. where where he just he, well, it, he's been this action hero for a beat. I mean, he's done yeah, a lot of, you know like, Coen Brothers drama. drama. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. like yeah. Sean Penn had that trajectory where he did like 15 years mm. of movies, mm-hmm. like really good movies, yeah. and really good performances. Before he did Dead Man Walking, and then all of a sudden right. he is Oscar guy, and I yeah. think he's going to have his Oscar role and be Oscar guy for ten years, and then he's going to have his like now I'm De Niro, which is who he is. Right, and I'm going to yeah. do whatever I want, and it's going to be it's going to be cool. <laughs> It'll I'll be do, great. I'll do a Brazil. I'll do a anger management. I'll do. I mean, uh, 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 I'll do a Nancy analyze Lewis this. Movie. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will do. Yeah, I am, or I'm or I'm Nicholson now. He will. That is who he is. He's. You know, before in like the seventies, you had your you had De Niro, Pacino, Hoffman, Hackman. Basically, he, him, and to Phil's point in the text, him and Adam Driver are like two of them. Maybe like like him and Adam Driver are two of those guys for us right now. Um, yep. Who I'm really, really super excited about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Boyega it's, too, arguably. I mean, they're, Boyega's also. Yeah. They're all it's, so talented. I mean, listen, the, the Star Wars movies uh, are well cast. <laughs> There's there was there was never a question as to whether or not they would be or not, but um, but yeah, it it's 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 so cool. I remember when it, I I remember when it was all happening, and just thinking like, I mean, you got the coolest character named after you. Like, I mean, I don't know what else. Can, it's the best the pilot in the galaxy. He's the best what pilot in the galaxy. It's just, yeah. it's just awesome. Um, so back to my favorite Martian. Um, I'll say this. Uh, Daryl Hannah, in the beginning of this movie, they do not do her any favors. She has to make out with a version of of Jeff Daniels that's basically just to kind of just to condense this. uh, Essentially, Tim, Jeff Daniels sees this Martian spaceship crash um, and uh, essentially brings the Martian shrinks the ship down real small. So he takes the ship home and then he needs, and then the Martian follows him home, which is Chris Lloyd. And then they have this weird fight together, um, which is kind of fun, but kind of weird. Like it's very, very Disney kind of like hijinksy, crazy, weird fight, but it's fun. Um, and in the process, uh, Chris Lloyd knocks Jeff Daniels unconscious and then assumes his form to, to, for what reasons, I'm not entirely clear, other than for plot purposes. But he essentially takes his form. Daryl Hannah shows up. She thinks it's Jeff Daniels. They kiss. 
well, he, which is to kind of launch her storyline, which is her crush that she has he, on Jeff. He Jane does Wong. it because he's a space because he, he's sure. a, a shapeshifter and he doesn't want to be found out. So who would who would be in Jeff Daniels' apartment? Jeff Daniels. So it's really just to protect himself. But he was. But when he was in Chris Lloyd's form, no one would have. She wouldn't have questioned it. Well, he could have. At least maybe he just didn't know who to be. At, yeah. yeah. At least Jeff Daniels could say this is my uncle martin whereas this is a oh, weird i see what you're, sure nobody weird, you know but I, but it should be said that it's at this point that we see a shirtless christopher lloyd and america screams yeah they've never been joy? the same squeals it's never been what you're looking for squeals? squeals squeals yeah squeals um he's kind of cut guys spoiler or at least in 99 he was i don't know what he looks like today um he's and 81 then, he probably doesn't I look looked it up he's right. 81 yeah Right. He's a legend. Um, long, long story short, the spaceship is broken and they need a part in order to get the spaceship to work. So they go to, they basically, the next morning, they go to try to find this electron accelerator fucking thing. Um, and they explore the city together. And we kind of get the fish out of water ish. But like, they don't go far enough with that, if you ask me. Like, I think that there's more fun to be had with this kind yes. of Martian who doesn't know how Earth works. There's just like jokes aplenty and they don't really do anything with it. Phil, Morgan, are you a Rick and Morty fan? A little bit. I'm not super familiar, yeah. but feels similar, right? It's With the, like the Doc character. Yeah. 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 He's, it's he, very Back to the Future. Yeah. Back, but, but this is even more like Rick than Back to the Future because, like, the thing that yeah. like this character can do that Rick can do is like any problem, he can solve it with some fake scientific, uh, like, gobbledygook. And 100%. that kind of thing uh, was was kind of weird. It, it definitely feel like it felt like it. There was something there that might have seeped into the DNA of Rick and Morty. I could see that. Yeah, but- it's it, it it just it's again. There's this kind of vanilla Disney thing going on, where there's kind of this not wanting it to be too weird or too edgy. Um, everything's kind of softened all the edges are round off of it um but like these don't need to be edgy jokes these can just be a guy who's just doesn't know the world around him but they could just be funny yeah i did have a hard time putting my finger on as a martian what things does he understand and what things doesn't he and when can he use his levitating powers and when can't he Mm -hmm. and yeah what are I mean the rules. The yeah. rules, which what I rules hate that world? note, but yeah. I do understand it. Uh, in this movie, <laughs> it's the worst note to get. <laughs> um, but it, it, this movie just doesn't have its rules laid out particularly well. But it's in this point that they're in this beachwear store, and the suit is at perhaps his worst, which is he's yeah, the most kind horrible. of like he's he sexually harasses a woman and he dances <laughs> in the store and the suit is and at its no, worst. And and no one seems to bat an eyelash at any of this, which is also, but whatever. Um, they also don't realize that they're being watched by SETI, uh, which is led by Wallace Shawn. Um, and uh, we also learn that Martin tells him about a friend of his named Neenert, who was one of the planet's most gifted scientists who came to Earth in 64 but never came back. And spoiler, that's going to be a guy from the original television show. Um, we then sort of, we, we then kind of brace is captured by SETI and the gang and is interrogated. And then Tim secretly tapes Martin in the hot tub in his Martian form. There's a lot which I was of saying stuff. To, There's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. But like, I was saying this to Morgan earlier, Kenny, and I, 
I think that when he when the Martian is in Martian form and he's um, tactile, like he's a build, I kind of really loved his look. Yeah, I did too. When he's yeah, it's awesome. when he's CG, I, I'm less interested because he feels kind of like Jar Jarry. Yeah, I thought I thought he looked pretty good. I'm not a huge fan of. I'm not a huge fan of kind of random creature stylings, if that makes sure, sense. Because sure, he is sure. he looks the way he looks apropos of nothing. So it yeah. just seems like make it make it something, make it Martiany. Um, but that being said, like I do think he does look pretty good and specific. Mm-hmm. I would have gone with your classic big-eyed, egg-shaped sure. oval, oval mm-hmm. head, right. up the old upside-down. More down 1960s, sh- yeah. And, like, to Phil's earlier note, like, I would have done the whole thing in the 60s, too. Like, when you look at these reboots, uh, outside of Wild Wild West, which you really didn't have a choice because it was doing something that doesn't exist anymore, um... Like you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't adapt Wild Wild West to today because it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. But uh, they always do the modern take, the quote unquote modern take. What happens if the Mod Squad was in 1999? What happens if Inspector Gadget was in 1999? What happens if the you know the the, the best and the best in breed is what happens if the Brady Bunch is in I think it was 1995 or 1996? But it would have been so much cooler to do your Jetsons version. It's just it's such a that Tomorrowland thing, that Truman Show yeah. thing. It's just, it's yesterday's version of the future is just such a cool take on things. So it's also, I would, I would also say too, there's, there's, there's a, um, the, the alternate version, which I was also saying earlier too, which is that it takes place in the sixties. You know, this show took place in the sixties because of the space race, because of, you know, of fear of Russia, not knowing what's out in space, all that kind of stuff. You know, Martian stuff was at its pinnacle back then. So to play into all of that, it would have been just a gold mine. Like when you think about Brad Bird's version of this movie that takes place yeah. in the sixties, you're just like, yes, I want that movie yeah um and and unfortunately we got this one which is fine um we now come to the point of this movie that i think is the weirdest fucking part of this film which is that the martin eats a bunch of ice cream and goes and spirals into a depression and literally starts to fall apart his limbs fall off of his torso His, his head falls off his body and it's I, I mean, I love the physical visual metaphor of it, but it's also terrifying and so bizarre and then leads to a scene where, of course, Brace comes over at this point and Martin is in pieces. So like Martin's hand and arm start massaging her and you're just like, this is where the like Adams Family-ish, Tim Burton-y kind of Sonnenfeld stuff could have really come into play. But instead, it's played so straight, it makes it weirder. It's I liked very it. weird. I loved when he used the 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 hand. Yeah, the disembodied arm to, to get the wine. That was great. <laughs> like Jeff Daniels, and, and she's yeah. uncomfortable yeah, on the couch, and she's yeah. elbowing the torso that she thinks yeah. is a pillow, and he's screaming in the hamper. I mean, it's good stuff. Like, I'm not hit. I'm not. I'm not ragging on it. I thought it it stands out. Yeah, it's, it's just it's super silly, though. You're right. But you, you, you've obviously never had too much ice cream. No, right. I haven't. Yeah. Right. Um, then Brace discovers the footage of Martin the Martian in Martian form, steals the tape, 
Um, then Lizzie shows up. There's a whole lot of busy kind of nonsense that happens at this point. But um, we now get to – I'm just going to fast forward to, to, to them at the network. <clears throat> and Martin takes Liz Hurley's form and is on television and – is sort of having this like crazy sort of transformation meltdown thing that, as we said, Elizabeth Hurley absolutely kills. All the stuff at the network feels like an insane version of broadcast news that I don't completely understand. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> Where I'm just like, because there's the whole like in the ear and the person who's on TV and the producer being in their ear. And I'm just like, it's it's very strange. But I liked it, but it's very strange. Um. Then the car, there's a whole car chase, and they shrink the car down, and they go into the sewers. I had less of an issue with them physically in the sewers because it had like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids kind of vibe, which I was into. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's it's when they get to the toilet shit. Yes. Where I'm just like, guys, you had to go for like poop humor. You had to go for like butt humor. We did a lot of that in The Spy Who Shagged Me, Kenny, as you can remember. Mm -hmm. That movie is, I want to say, like 90% butt jokes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, a lot of butt jokes. A lot of poop jokes. So much poop. People drinking and eating poop in that movie. Stop. We didn't get we didn't get to that place in this film, thankfully. But but I didn't. I don't mean to say but so many times. But I will say that the actual sewer stuff I thought was really well shot. I thought they did a great job with the effects. I don't know what you thought, Morgan. The tension of that chase scene was excellent. It felt to me a lot like sort of how you would teach, this is how you put together a classic chase scene. Someone thinks you're not going to fit through this space. You know, there's a, you cut between, we're not going to make it and we're almost going to get them. And all the perspectives were there. The pieces were functioning really well. You know, it's the type of thing that you would lean forward in your seat for. And then, yeah, yeah unfortunately, there is a... Uh, it ends with a butt. It ends with a butt. <laughs> You could never, it, you uh, could yeah. never end a sentence with a butt. You should know that. That's right. That's right. They clearly didn't. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't good grammar students. Um, but then we get to the lab, and there's this whole nonsense with um, with the gum, which I don't completely understand. So the you chew the gum, and it gives you the opportunity to be able to transform into a Martian. Is that basically it? I think the gum for a Martian allows you to take on the form of whatever planet you're on. But okay. if a human eats it, then it has the opposite effect is what they say. It's, I, I think that's pretty much it. it my understanding <laughs> is you ha- he has this, he has essentially this, this container with it, like eight balls in it or nine yeah. or 12 or whatever. And each ball, as Morgan said, will uh, allow you to be that planet's, inhabitant oh i see and i suppose okay. it's the most dominant inhabitant because they didn't turn into a dog or a wolf right. or a goldfish <laughs> um the opposite effect is if you are a human on earth and you take the the earth one you will turn into a martian however if you are a human on earth and you take any other one it has the yep. same effect as right. we saw with daryl hannah when she right. takes the x7 don't the nerplex. The nerp. Well, yeah. they're all called nerplexes. They're all called. But, but X7 nerplex, which looks like um, 
Do you remember in Last Action Hero when the guy had the fake eye that yeah. was a bomb? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, looked, I mean, it looks like a little bomb. A black, it looks like a little black widow, basically. With red spikes on yeah. it. Yeah. It looks like a little fucking uh, Darth, uh, Darth Maul. Like, it's yes. like it, you're yeah. eating Darth looks, Maul. It looks like an Charlie and the Chocolate Factory everlasting gobstopper, but yeah, evil. Yeah, yeah. But evil. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's right. The evil, yes. The evil twin of an everlasting lasting gobstopper. Are you at the point where Daryl Hannah takes it? Is that where we're? What we're yes, doing? that's where we're at. Uh, basically, we're at the we're at the lab, and um, they're doing experiments on Martin. It seems he's undergoing some surgery, so they're going there to try to save him. Uh, Daryl Daryl Hannah um, chews on some Nurplex, which transforms her into a hideous monster from Venox Seven, obviously, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, she defeats the guards, and then spits out the Nurplex and turns back into a human. Um, I thought the effects were kind of cool. I thought I yeah, thought she awesome. was like I thought they kind of had like a Starship Troopers kind of vibe to it, which I was kind of into. I like that he, she still had her dress on. Yeah, yeah, it was fun and like giant yeah. sneakers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, logic be damned. You know, yeah, it I was mean, fun. Yeah, she still had her dress on. Was hilarious. Yeah, I loved that. <laughs> it's, it's like how Hulk has his pants on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so then they successfully save Martin. Uh, he's reunited with Zoot, of course. Uh, they escape. They prepare to say goodbye to him. Um, and then fucking what's his face? Ray Winston, Walston, who played the original Martin, who's the old friend, Neenert, uh, essentially saves the day. He goes back to Mars, um, with Martin. And then Martin comes back. And says that he was he would have been too sad on Mars and he wanted to be with them all along. That, that, that's the kind of the long and short of it. Oh, also, Tim and Lizzie obviously get together. Um, and it, it, the weird part is that, like, the movie ends with Tim being like, I don't really want this guy to be my roommate. And that's kind of how the movie ends on, on a note of, like, I guess maybe they thought there was a sequel coming. I really don't know. It, it felt like did. a sequel setup. It yeah. really did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's uh, it's, high hopes, guys. <laughs> you don't know, Kenny. Great hey, there, could be a re- there could be a reboot. Someone could reboot this. Can it, you imagine it, going into Disney right now and being like, <laughs> we got to do this, guys? The reboot for me feels like a TV show. You know? Yes. Yes, like, yes. like four kids. Like, you know, you've got different aliens coming in, kind of like fill the future. If you guys ever saw that show, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. you could pitch you know. this to Disney Plus as a as a live action kids show, oh, yeah. and you would sell it with hijinks. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you think so? Yeah, I do because I think that there's something about the title that right. that outlasted even the movie. Like there are still things yeah, like like there, right. there's a show on I think ID Channel called My Favorite Murder which is obviously a play on this. Uh, there's a movie called My Favorite Year. My Favorite Martian has a mellifluous, mellifluousness to it. Or melodiousness Melodiousness to it. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> I was going to say, just say melodious. Melodiousness to it. That, uh, that doesn't sticky, really... Yeah. yeah, it's sticky. That's exactly right. It doesn't really exit the lexicon. So yep. even if... The idea behind it is not necessarily pre-sold. I think you could put My Favorite Martian on the front page of Disney Plus with, you know, wacky actor and a straight man, and you'd more or less get what you're going going for. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think you could also, you know, 
if you wanted to, if we're looking for ways to pitch this thing, if you gender swapped it as well, well you know what I mean? Absolutely. If you, That's you know what, what I mean? it would have to If you yeah. made it two women, um, that would be and fun. You, you could have fun with that. Yeah. I think we just picked, I, came up, I think we came up with a show, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we came up, came up with a reboot of my favorite March. I mean, a lot of the time, <laughs> a lot of the time we do come up with, with shows. Yeah. And usually there's shows we want to do. Would, yeah. you, would you guys want to do this one? <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't think I'm the right person to do it, but I think that if I was, say, perhaps living with an executive who worked at Disney Plus, uh, <laughs> it's it's something that I might perhaps bring up to her. Are you, are you, I, I'm interested in the gender politics version. I feel like there's definitely material to mine there. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm always interested in taking the things from our past that were disappointments and bringing them into the future and like trying to write those missed opportunities. That's, yeah. a, no, I, that's I actually agree. a lot of what we do. Um, <laughs> our, our, our <laughs> well, that's, isn't that, that's kind of the idea, right? Is, yeah. yeah. We're, you know, you guys are going through this kind of epic journey of highs and lows of this that's just sure. outrageous amount of movies released in a year. Yeah. And, it's, it's, yeah. it's nuts. It's funny. Cause yesterday, Kenny, um, Eric Anderson uh, texted me and he was just like, I got to say, man, 99, you're just, you're never going to beat 99. Like he was just like looking at other years and he was like, there's other years that are good, but like it really is sort of the breadth of what the fact that we're, you know, going to talk about Ratcatcher and my favorite Martian really kind of shows the breadth that this year exists. You know, it's, it's crazy. We're now on the 20th anniversary of 2000 and we're starting to see lists for the best movies of 2000 and stuff like that. And what's striking me when I look at 2000 is not that the highs aren't as high, which they aren't, but that's not really yeah. the point. And it's yeah. not even that the lows aren't as low. Because mm-hmm. our lows aren't that low, but our lows are interesting. Like yes. my favorite yes. Martian, it's not really yeah. a low, but my favorite Martian on paper is a low. And yeah. at least there is, there, there's 30, 35, 40 years of Hollywood history and thought that went into the making of this particular movie that you can't say for all the generic John Grisham ripoffs that came out in 2000. And there's so many things like that that I would just despise talking about on a podcast. But even like, even we had a great time talking about virus. We had a great time talking about tripping. Like these are not generic movies. And there's something about that. That is what, that's the lifeblood of this podcast. Like anybody can talk about being John Malkovich. Anybody can talk about the matrix. Anybody can talk about the sixth sense, South park, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, we are really, really fortunate that our, misses are so fucking weird and different i could I, yeah. I honestly could not agree with you more like that that's the thing about and this is a, a a perfect example of that where went in with zero expectations on this thing was obviously excited to talk about it with you morgan no matter what but i was just like i don't know what this is going to be and you know yeah. we've now talked we've talked for an hour and a half about the the potential of this thing where it works where it doesn't work whereas to your point kenny so many films you cannot have that type of conversation about um so i feel incredibly lucky that we got to do that so at, at we 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 rate our episodes on this podcast morgan i don't know if you know that but um essentially what it, what it is is 0 to 99 0 being the lowest 99 being the highest 50% being the metric with which you would recommend or not recommend a film and we try to we try to rate it three times which is if we saw it in 99 which kenny and i did not but you did then we rate it before the podcast and after the podcast. 
to see if the podcast changed your opinion about the film. Yeah. One way or so I'll go first. You can think on what your 99 podcast, pre-podcast, post-podcast rating is. Did not see this in 99. As I said, went into this with the lowest of expectations. Coming into this podcast, I gave this film a 59, which is... I recommend it. I would recommend it to people. I think there's more here than than people have given credence to. Um, and you know, I think it's a I think it's a, a nice movie to watch with your kids or whatever the case might be. This podcast has actually made my my number go up. I actually think that the movie is better now than I did before, um, just in terms of, uh, you know, I just I think it, I think it I think it kind of works. So I'm I'm up to a 64 now. I yeah, think that the yeah. movie is. Um, I, I think it's, I, I, and perhaps I'm projecting, perhaps I'm projecting a better movie onto it. And that's perhaps why it's working, but, um, I don't know. I liked it. what do you think, Kenny? This is a, this is a tough one. You know, as I said to you on text, <laughs> we, we've, we've, since we've been back, we've had a lot of movies that kind of hang right around that 50 mark, 50, not, you know, 50 mark for me, which we yeah. just didn't have at the beginning. We had so few movies in the 50s and the 40s in the beginning that I, you know, I didn't think we would get here. But the last like five or six we've done have been so many right around 50. And I have been right around 50. Now, <laughs> I'm – it's weird because I started at a 53 going into this podcast. Yeah. And I went in the opposite direction. Really? Because the thing that stuck with me more than anything – Because Zoot. in part it was <laughs> – what was that? Zoot. Zoot. In part, in part, I, I, the 53 is a reflection of this is so much better than I thought it would be. But the thing that really hit me was when Morgan pointed out, like, that there's no there there. Right. And, yeah, you know, this, there's like, no underneath. Why, yes. Why, like, when I think about this movie and thought about it last night and thought about it this morning, like, why I have absolutely no desire to revisit this movie. Um, it's not because of Zoot. I can handle Zoot. It's because there is no there there because the the relationships between the main characters are underwritten. There is no there 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 are no pathos there, and this is not a big ask for a movie to imbue it with some meaning. So I'm I'm actually going to go down quite a bit. Um, I'm going to go down to a 41. I still think this is like well within the realm of like this is fine. This is not an embarrassment. You, no one has to feel bad about themselves for this movie. But like, in the grand scheme of movies, like this is not a movie I want to tell anyone you should go watch. Um, it is pleasant, but I can't recommend a pleasant movie. So forty-one. So, so, so Michael Natale really got to you, huh? That's what this comes well, down to. Well, the funny to? thing like you're about just scared it, of the, scared of him no, and rating this it's too the opposite. I'll give you. I'll tell you the truth, ma'am. I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> I really thought about going 46. So we have a, we have a, a friend, Michael Natale, who said, Kenny and I are past and future guests. Better not give over a 45 to this movie. And I was, <laughs> and I was going to give a 46 and not mention Natale and just, just say, <laughs> just, just as a fuck you. But the, 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 the God's honest truth is like, I care too much about this podcast to make it about a vendetta. A vendetta. Yeah, I love. I love that man. Spite is weirdly yeah. playing into yeah. this rating system. Yeah, so. I mean, listen. I, did I rate it too high? Perhaps because you make a very compelling argument. I don't know that I. Perhaps I shouldn't have broken sixty on it, but I still I stand by the fact that it's over fifty for me. Yeah, I so 
I think in 99, in 99, 10 year old me would have given this movie, I think an 80. (laughs) I, I watched it a ton. I could watch it with my younger siblings. I didn't have any qualms about it. I don't think it's a movie I would have gone to school and told anyone I was watching. I I don't. It's not a cool movie. It's not a cool movie. But I think nerdy, alien obsessed, my teacher is a Martian Morgan, like, loves this movie and and the potential behind that movie, which my teacher is a Martian also could be a great TV show. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, true. that's true. But yeah, then then after watching it, I think before being on the podcast today, uh, yeah, I, I, I did feel a level of disappointment, a level of... Um, not living up to your potential. Um, yeah, just like, like kind of yearning for more. It just felt very flat for me. So I, I think I was probably hovering around, yeah, like 55, like still not, not bad, but yeah. not great. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, you know, yeah, I, I don't know if I was vocal enough about just how lacking in shine and sparkle and dazzle this movie was that it could have had. But that being said, I think I'm landing around a 60. Oh. I, I think I think it is overall, you know, you can't fault a buddy comedy. You've got some cool special effects from Phil Tippett. You've got some people in suits, which is like always my favorite type Love of alien. Love a person in a suit, yeah, yeah. And, you know, for for those things, I like it. I think the, you know, the dings are definitely the level of comedy, the lacking of heart and something underneath uh, that would have that would have brought it up. So are you where are you landing for post podcast? About a 60. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Overall, an enjoyable experience. (laughs) I I mean, Morgan, we're we're ending the movie, not this podcast. <laughs> this podcast is way over a sixty. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Overall, I, well, I mean, that's still. That's I mean, if you're looking at it, that's the still like a D, I, right? Yeah. Well, no, because like it's not. It's not that because like fifty, you pass. You know what I mean? Like in, oh, I in see. our There's world, a... like fifty, you sure. pass. So it's not. Oh, it's like okay. it's. Well, you know the the thing is. Phil likes to present the the, the system as fifty is recommend or not recommend. 50 is whatever you want it to be. The only real rules are <laughs> zero is the lowest number and 99 is the highest number. And so, you can figure out whatever you want yeah, on within a scale zero of like, 99. <laughs> on a scale of Mac and me being a one. Mac and me and ETB and ETB and 99. I think I stand by 60. I think that's a fair point. Is it really closer to ET than Mac and me? That's a good question. Um I actually don't know the answer. <laughs> what do you want to do next so, week, Phil? Yeah, so next week we're doing a film that I don't know if you guys have seen. Uh, it's a little film called Guinevere um, that Sarah Pauly was the lead in. It was directed by Audrey, Audrey Wells um, and stars uh, Sarah Pauly and Stephen Ray. I remember really liking this film back in 99. I don't know how it holds up today. I'm not sure if the relationship between Stephen Ray and Sarah Pauly holds up. Time will tell. Uh, but we have Chandler Levac coming on, who is a writer-director in her own right from Toronto. She's also a film critic for uh, The Globe and Mail. So she's going to come on and talk about that film. Um, a smaller film that a lot of people probably haven't seen. But anything with Sarah Pauly, in my opinion, 
How bad can it be? Worth a watch. Yeah, I'm quite excited to watch this movie. To be honest, this is um, yeah, this is this is the kind of movie that we used to get in '99. Uh, we don't really mm-hmm. get that much anymore. It has kind of a mammy vibe, um, and um, you know, I'm not convinced I'll like it, but I am convinced <laughs> that it is an interesting snapshot of yes. indie cinema at yeah. that moment. And I'm excited to see the way, like, that particular type of film, you know, the, 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 it it seems like a movie, again, I haven't seen it, but it seems like a movie that puts its intellectualism front and center. And it's intellectualizing something that we today are pretty uh, revolted by. So, which is, it seems like grooming, right? It seems like that's basically what this movie is about. It's about grooming. It's about an older man having relationships with younger women that, that, that long for inspiration. So I wonder, I I wonder how that was tackled in 1999 back when that was not viewed by the general public as, as problematic as it is today. Or predatory. Or or predatory. predatory. In in fact, like that kind of relationship was often held up as legitimate. I mean, for instance, in Friends, when Ross was a professor, he dated one of his students, and she just became part of the group for a while. It was just yep. considered a legitimate way to meet somebody. So mm-hmm. I wonder if they grapple with any of the predatory aspects of this movie or the imbalance in power that's you know necessary, because I think – I think they do. And it's, they do. It's it's because it's from a woman's perspective. So it's it'll be interesting to see that from a woman's mm-hmm. perspective because from a male perspective, I think that this uh, had some fantasy elements to it that are particularly 100%. gross. Uh, for sure, for sure. In, viewed through today's lens. So I'm looking forward. Yeah, to Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm excited to rewatch it just because honestly, I love Sarah Pauly and I don't really care what she's in. She's great. But written and directed by by Audrey Wells. Uh, to your point, Kenny, very curious to see what that's like through a literal female lens and and, yeah. and how that sort of how she sees that that type of relationship. It's a little known I know fact. That Smart women plays. use female lenses. So that's sure, they're they're also more expensive than male lenses. But they only make seventy three percent of. Uh, <laughs> ma- it's weird. So I, but wow, they're uh, yeah. smart. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> they do oh, they do great. last longer. So you know, generally eighty two, eighty three years. So we're. They do have that going for it, yeah. Now I want like all female directors have pink cameras. It's, <laughs> it's absurd. absurd. Uh, no, but uh, but it, it's it, Gene Smart plays Sarah Pauly's mom in the film, and there's a whole sort of like it's interesting. I think you'd be interested in seeing it too, Morgan. You know, obviously, a I want to watch it. Yeah, I I, um, I think you know you couldn't get further from the Hollywood machine. It sounds like a, another uh, no. another actress yeah. I'm excited to see in '99 because Gene uh, Smart feel like. No one figured her out until like last year. So yeah. um, I, like, it's interesting to see those actors, like whenever you see Margot Martindale in an old movie or whenever mm-hmm. you see Ann Dowd in an old movie, you're like, it's so fucking it's crazy, crazy. It's that crazy. they were just, yeah. or, or, or Octavia Spencer was in like 30 yeah. fucking movies yes. before she be, yeah. became Octavia Spencer. Just because, doing yes. their jobs well. It's just yeah. so weird. Yeah, we, Melissa McCarthy is in Go for a scene. Just like, for you, a scene. You, you, yeah. you guys didn't see what you had here 
And Gene yep. Spartan Watchmen is like such a revelation that I want. I, I, I'm interested uh, to see if, if how that came across 20 years ago. Who was it that you? Uh, oh, it was. Um, oh my God, it was Cherry Jones uh, oh, in Incredible yeah. Rock, Cherry, which is another oh, example. Cherry oh, wow. should should where should have been like, Glenn Close. We fucked up, right? <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, that it's that's really another up with deep a wonderful thing about this podcast is getting to sort of see yeah. obviously see these careers, but also to just be like, you know, to be able to see how great these people were in their moment. Um, I'm really excited to 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 see how Guinevere is. I'm curious. I'm a little nervous, but I'm curious nonetheless. Um, and I'm curious to hear what, what, what Chandler has to say about it as well. But more than anything, Morgan, thank you so much for being here. Thank, thank you for having me. This was such a joy. Fantastic. What a fun time. Ab- absolute joy. Um, we'd love to have you back. So I'll send you the list again and we can try to find something else. But um, truly, it was such a blast to be able to talk about this one with you. So much fun. So much more fun to talk about it with you than to watch it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.